This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Um, I am Eric Branson, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. It's all uh, quarantined and everything still, and we're uh, we're surviving. We're, as we were just talking about off the air, you know, the um, excess drinking helps a lot, too. <laughs> So. It does. I'm actually, I've been keeping a, a, a journal just as part of a, you know, they say one of the best things you can do during this whole thing is just get into some kind of a routine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, find some structure in a day that feels structureless. So I've created like a a document with check boxes and like my daily to-do things. I've got to do these things today. It just helps you relax in the evening when, if you're neurotic like me, um, yeah. it helps you relax, relax in the evening like I've accomplished these things today. But one of the things is like to get back into writing regularly again. Uh, just mm-hmm. even if it's like a one page, just what did I do today? How are, how are things going? Uh, but I keep tally of how many days we've been in this, and uh, today will be uh, day forty six for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, we haven't been counting, but every time I start to look back, I think we're in the fifties now. So yeah, I th- yeah, it's kind of frightening. <laughs> It is. It is. We're in. I think as we started. I don't know. Maybe my count's off because I know I've been talking to everybody. They've been higher than me. Maybe I'm not counting weekends. <laughs> yeah, could be. But so we are uh, broadcaster recording this um, today is Sunday is Mother's Day yeah, and it is. Um, yeah so we got to get out and do some stuff yesterday. Today was pretty crappy weather around here. Did you guys have a good? Mother's Day? Did yeah. you have a good Mother's Day? She did. She did. Um, I I guess l- later I'll find out if I'm wrong on that, but I think it was good. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, no, I did a pretty good job. I, I did a, a goddamn good job. No, we, we, we kind of spent the weekend. I had the kids, you know, help me out with stuff all weekend, you know, which it's funny with kids of this age, the best way they can help, mo- you can help them make mom happy on Mother's Day is getting them to do something else because they, yeah. they, Mom, mom, mom. They, you know, they're calling her, her all the time. <laughs> Leave her alone. So just finding stuff to do with them to let her relax. Um, mm-hmm. So they help make dinner, and they help with some laundry, and they help with, you know, just keeping the house up. But we would go outside when we could. It was kind of chilly this weekend, so it wasn't ideal yeah. for spending a lot of time outside. But but it was it was nice, I think. You know, we just kind of took it easy and let her lead, and we'd follow, and I'd just try to, you know, keep the crites in line and and uh <laughs> it was it, it so far uh, turned out okay yeah. yeah i got to give a chihuahua yeah. bath today with the kids too that was um yeah, that's fun that's a word <laughs> i don't know if it's the right one but it's a word <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh went and did the rounds and did some um like driveway visits with our family yesterday so drove into rockford and um 
which is about an hour drive from where we live now uh to where I, joe and i both grew up yeah in uh Pecatonica, Illinois, which is outside of Rockford, and then Corey's parents in in Rockford, but dropped off some presents and got a little FaceTime, but yeah, stayed stayed socially distanced and didn't go in anyone's houses or anything. But um, yeah, so that that was kind of cool. Got to see some people. It's been a long time since I've seen anyone except like my neighbors and you know the checkout person at the grocery store, and that's about it. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool. That's I know a lot of other people that have started doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they're they're getting innovative. They're finding ways of like, okay, I have to stay this distance, but I can still travel, like you said, you know, an hour mm-hmm. or so, and see. Even if you're just hanging out in the driveway for a little bit, bring a yeah, lawn so, bring a lawn chair, you know, and just stay ten feet away, and just yep, you can still hang out. That's um, exactly what we did at my parents' house. They have a front porch on the front of their house, and they they stayed on the porch, and we just kind of sat in the in front of the porch in front of the house, and stayed separate but we're able to talk and they could see the kids and yeah so it was good yeah i'm i would Kinda love i would love the to best be able we can do right now it is and i would love to be able to do something like that but i mean my my yeah. dad lives in in illinois and i'm in wisconsin it'd only be like a three-hour drive which is still yeah that's a drive but, but and three then, hours and then you got to worry about like here here's how we could pull it off and how it's you're just too far it's like you got to start worrying about like okay how do we stop and go to the bathroom um are we you know what do we do to <laughs> you know you don't want to you don't have to stop at like a gas station somewhere and put everybody at risk of right. possible exposure if it's not like absolutely necessary you know? right and also you know trying to figure out you know things like well since that's technically out of state do i have to then self-quarantine when i get back for two yeah, weeks you know where i have to like literally self-quarantine no because i still i go to a grocery store a couple times a week just to get supplies and everything and so i've been meaning to ask you to um and i would be asking ryan this but ryan isn't isn't with us obviously it's been seven Uh, months of quiet ryan ryan you're there uh ryan ryan couldn't be with us tonight but he will be joining us uh (laughs) joining us again next week but i was actually going to meet ask both of you since this is kind of becoming a thing Mm -hmm. masks do you have like a designer one um yeah Corey's stepmom sewed a bunch of like masks for us so yeah they're kind of cool she's like fabrics with patterns and you know like disney stuff for the kids and yeah oh, so cool. i think the one i've been using the most is like a blue i don't know blue like it almost looks like flannelly um pattern on it i don't know <laughs> but yeah we have some different ones i think we have a stack of about six or seven adult ones and two or three for each of the kids um the kids hopefully will never have to go into somewhere where they use them but it's nice to have just in case but yeah yeah we have a couple spares my mom actually sewed a whole bunch and and sent them to us and just like random patterns you know some plaids some stripes Mm -hmm. you know um one one of them's got you know little cats on it. One of them's got little foxes on it and stuff. And so they're they're cute. And she's doing some new ones now for the kids. But I've been using either one of those or um like a like a like a balaclava, like a like a, okay. like a yeah. nylon sleeve that you can fit over your. Head. I have a bunch for field work anyway. Um, yeah, I got a couple of those that I used for used to use for when I was biking a lot. But... Which you know, and speaking of crazy and speaking of masks, and you don't have to answer this now. But if, by the end of the episode, w- I would like to know, would you wear a COVID-19 mask designed after the Repo Man 
from Repo the Genetic Opera. <laughs> uh, totally, yeah. I would. <laughs> well, you're supposed to wait. Okay. <laughs> oh wait. Okay. Well, we'll I'll, I'll answer the same way at the end. We'll of readdress it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna use the world gone mad as a segue, but anyway, so. it's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a world gone mad reminds me of the film we're gonna talk about tonight, and that is the ni- 2008. I almost said 98. 2008. Um, what would you even call this horror I, horror musical? But I, w- I would say more like goth rock opera, Repo the Genetic Opera. By the middle of the 21st century, organ failure had become a worldwide epidemic. But Geneco was there to satisfy the demand for organ replacements. The problem is, if you miss a payment, Geneco sends out the Repo Man. And when he finds you, your time is up. Collect on the Handelman account at once. His payment is past due. Everybody, everybody, oh yeah. Just stand up. <laughs> people, people, people. Everybody, everybody, everybody. I've become It's me she must escape is directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman with the music and screenplay by Taryn I believe it's Zun- Dunnich Terrence Dunnich and Ter- and Darren Smith um, sorry I'm tripping all over names tonight but um, yeah so uh, get you a quick synopsis of this one in the mid 21st century an epidemic of organ failures leads to the rise of Gene Co a company providing transplants at a great price those who miss their payments come, become targets of Gene Co. mercenaries who repossess their organs. In a world of drug addiction and legalized murder, a sheltered youth seeks a cure for her rare disease as well as information about her family's mysterious history. Her questions are answered at the Genetic Opera. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a musical. If you're not familiar with this one, it is uh, directed Darren Lynn Bozeman. Maybe um, you may be more familiar with the Saw franchise. Got his kind of wet his um, teeth on directing a couple of Saw sequels. I think three of them. And um, yeah, this is kind of his like in between those projects. He uh, directed a musical, but definitely not your run of the mill musical and it's become somewhat kind of a cult classic in its own right but um yeah yeah, (laughs) um this this was a i mean so when we decide episodes 
Um, I, you know, we usually to pull the curtain back a little bit for everybody. Um, you know, after never, we get done recording, usually sausages made. This is how it happens. Um, <laughs> you know, we we usually after we get done recording an episode, we usually gonna pick the next film on Tubi that we're gonna be watching. That's what we've been doing lately. Um, mm-hmm. And and we have kind of a, a going list. We're developing a list, and and this one came up. And so as soon as we got done, I was kind of had like a second wind. I was gonna be staying up late anyway, and so I I watched this that last Sunday night. Oh, and, okay, uh, so you went right into I it. I went right into it, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know on Tubi, when you've got the uh, the ads, and it, it pops up and it tells you, like, ad coming up in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1? Mm-hmm. Those were my favorite parts of this movie. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you know what? And as I was messaging you guys throughout the week about it, um, it, it you pointed out, like, I'm kind of thinking this isn't your, your genre. It, it might not I, be your thing. Yeah. I totally concur. Which is weird because I like Rocky <laughs> Horror. Yeah. I like Rocky Horror. Um, I like The Wall, which is a big rock opera. Um, right. I even like Meatloaf. It's- but <laughs> which everything you pretty much ever recorded is a rock opera. So. Yes, and and yeah. and a couple other things too. This one just this and shock treatment well, are the two I just can't I, get into. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that kind of draws me to the first thing I wanted to talk about about this movie, and you brought up Rocky Horror, and and I guess that's like the kind of where a good starting point because I feel like. Um, from a writing standpoint, so this was initially a stage musical. The same, it, it, it shares a lot of similarities with Rocky Horror. So it's originally a stage musical. It did a small run on like an off-Broadway theater. I don't even know if it was. I think it was in New York, but um, and then kind of fell into. I don't know if it was doing any touring shows, but kind of fell into obscurity. Uh, but it was quite popular as a as a stage musical. Got to round to the right people and um eventually get the, these filmmakers people that ended up getting together and getting the money together to make this movie um saw it and you know got the ball rolling so very similar to rocky horror and this, that's kind of the same story of rocky horror as well as you know in, in the original rocky horror picture show um some of the cast members kind of carried along and became members of the of the film and that's kind of the same thing here um the difference, I think, is is that this movie is very much informed by there already being a Rocky Horror Picture Show. So it is impossible for the people, um, you know, Terrence right. Dunnich and, and Darren Smith to deny having a huge influence or, or basically setting their sights on, we want to go out and create kind of this new Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Right. I don't think there's any way that's not they're kind of what they're thinking, so... Um, so in a way, they're kind of like crafting a cult classic. That this is what they're hoping this is going to become. I feel like it would be impossible to, to for them to claim that's not in, at least in the back of their head when they're coming up with this thing. Um, do you think? And I, I don't know. You know, being that I don't, it didn't sound like you you've had a very pleasurable experience with this at all. <laughs> but do you think it detracted from the film itself um, that it obviously had an objective to become quote unquote cult? Yes. <laughs> like throughout. Yes, I do, yeah. and and I think it's because it is. And you know what? I'm glad actually. Before I answer that, I, I, part of the mm. answer, I'm glad that we reviewed shock treatment what like a year ago something like that months ago yeah months ago months six ago. months ago maybe we yeah. we reviewed shock treatment and i didn't care for that one either and, and again i and i stressed on that show too that i really really like rocky horror um but that 
the problem I, I had with that one is that it just it was like trying to cash in on the same you know trying to get lightning to strike twice and it just mm. wasn't to me it just didn't happen um, because after you do it once everything is just going to look like a cheap ripoff and I but I didn't think the music was good and and the story was incoherent and I'll give this one a slight bit of uh, you know some some credit that the story was at least a little more understandable in this. Yeah. A little. Possibly not interesting. Like, or not. No, but it wasn't a good, <laughs> I didn't like the story, but it yeah. was, it was easier to follow. But yeah, I don't think it's follow. as hard to follow as shock treatment. Shock treatment, yeah, I had no idea what the hell was going on. Uh, <laughs> in this one, I think I would have understood the scenes better if they weren't singing really poorly written songs. So, it, this felt really, really derivative of, of Rocky Horror. Um, and I think that did hurt it. Uh, the fact that yeah. they are clearly trying to get that level of cult classic. Um, and apparently it's worked. Just for some people, it's worked. Um, yeah, I mean, in its own right, I think it has kind of become, uh, you know, this oh, genera- no, no that generation's Rocky Horror in a way. It, I mean, it, it it's probably not to the level of that, but it does do midnight screenings. There's... You know, floor shows. Basically, it became a Rocky Horror type experience for you know people that enjoy it. Um, I'd say like it's it is derivative. The entire idea of it is derivative of Rocky Horror Picture Show, just because you know it, it kind of we're gonna make this kind of heavy metalish rock opera. We're gonna put it into the you know kind of make sure it's in the horror genre. It's gonna be you know also this like dystopian future thing, which I think kind of bar- is borrowed from the more from rock opera itself but um but i think this one keeps and i guess that's kind of what i was say gonna go to is i think it keeps it different enough to be distinct where it it doesn't pull like the um kind of 50s drive-in and doo-wop music stuff from rocky horror which is might might have been one of the bigger failings of shock treatment is it it tried to do exactly the same thing this is at least has its own niche and it's like uh you know it's kind of a i guess i would call it a goth rock opera kind of or a death rock opera um musically it's in this kind of genre of i don't even know if i'd call it heavy metal but definitely like goth music um your christian death uh sisters of mercy um alien uh, not alien Ant farm oh my god um alien sex fiend stuff like uh, yeah stuff like that um the music was written by the the people who wrote the play but the uh, music for the film and the soundtrack album was produced by oh jeez I'm going to not remember his name and I didn't write it down on here but was produced by a guy who plays uh, in a band called X but not the punk band X from California but a band uh, from Japan Heavy oh band Yoshiki Japan. yeah and he supposedly kind of tweaked up a lot of these songs and really gave it that extra um, punch which I think um, certainly made them distinct from and I don't know if you've heard. I doubt you really <laughs> dove into a lot, whole lot of extra stuff. But I think they've changed a little bit, even from the early stage musical versions. But anyway, I'm getting off what I'm saying. But yeah, I think um, I do think the mo- it's a it's it's very derivative of Rocky Horror in a way, but it's also more modern. It fits into kind of the genre of modern horror films, or uses some things of more modern horror than um, where Rocky Horror was very much set in that you know 1950s drive-in double feature kind of. Um, yeah. Setting, so yeah, yeah. they also it's... made a short film 
after the, they were developing this, I just I had a curiosity if you knew this, but made a short film to pitch this. So a pitch film where they did a couple of pieces uh, of the movie and um, had a different cast. And you know that Michael Rooker played the Repo Man in the in the short film version of this. No, so, huh? Yeah, yeah. So uh, supposedly it's really hard to find. It doesn't really exist. There's some clips on YouTube. I, I saw one clip, but it didn't have him in it. Um, just a different. Um, uh, yeah, another piece with different cast members. But oh, interesting. Anyway, huh. interesting, interesting tidbit. He was initially interested in doing the feature film, but something didn't work out with scheduling him, so they ended up with uh, Anthony Stewart Head, who plays the uh, um, Repo Man in the uh, feature that we got. So, and and I'll say um, like his his singing was quite good. Um, yeah, and I guess he's a musician. I, I recognized him from um, acting and other things, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he's also a musician. He's had a band for years, and um, I, his his singing is quite good. He's one of the better um, cast members when it comes to actual vocal performance in this movie, which I'll get to in in a minute. is is certainly a weakness, I think, of this film. Um, but before we get to that, and you've already kind of cl- clued me in on what your answers may be, but <laughs> how how do you think this works as a musical like let, let's take it outside of like the horror genre and kind of you know the saw director and like all of this stuff but as a musical itself um does it does it work does it um, um are this you know are the songs memorable does the story tell itself is it you know, i i in any way? and i'm not trying to be you know cute with these answers but like legitimately <laughs> i the only songs that have a tinge of of like being memorable are not for good ways good reasons (laughs) i i really i don't know and it's i i really i've been trying to like dissect it for the last week like Mm -hmm. do i just not like musicals like no i love i like rocky horror like i said i I mentioned the wall i little shop of horrors is one of my favorites i got no problem i like west side story you know i got no problem with people singing (laughs) and dancing in a movie i got no problem with that um this was just I don't know. Okay, so part of it might be the fact that I had to giggle to myself at the idea that this entire movie was like filmed. I don't know. In my head, canon, this movie was filmed on the set of an Evanescence video when nobody else was around. Um, <laughs> I and did, I, yeah, definitely some of this des- production design is of like of that era of of heavy metal screamo i don't want to call it heavy metal like i don't even know what it is but i i've been calling it screamo for the last decade um yeah you know but like that more operatic like yeah i don't know yeah Yeah. but i don't know i i just uh the 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 songs didn't feel tight and maybe it's an opera thing because i know some of the the musical things i mentioned are just that they're musicals they're not necessarily operas Mm, yeah um but this I mean, this is literally an opera. There's not, well, okay, questionable on some of the performance, but there's not a there's not a word in this that isn't sung. Like, right, it's, it's all in song. It's yeah. all yeah. So like more like the wall or something like that. But um, yeah. I don't know. I just the the songs were were poorly written. I felt they were poorly performed. The so maybe it's not that I don't like I don't like musicals. Maybe I just don't like opera. Yeah, maybe I think. There is, like, in this movie, um, the songs aren't all good. I wouldn't say they were all bad, either. I like, I genuinely like 
a certain percentage of them possibly even like 40 or 50 percent problem is is then there's 60 you know 50 to 60 percent of the songs that aren't memorable and don't work as well and that can get a little bit yeah um it can get a bit a little bit long in the tooth also there's there must be different styles and i'd have to ask our friend who is an opera singer at some point what what it is that 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 separates i guess i guess it's musical theater and opera they're two kind of different styles of theater right right um and opera i guess i you know is is totally done in song so i'm thinking about the difference between something like you know you mentioned west side story you know the little shop of horrors musical uh rocky horror or something like that and like this film <laughs> these two aren't even really gonna be comparable but something like les miserables right where right. they're this is it honestly that's what it reminded me of and that's a crazy comparison but i've only seen the film version of les miserables the only thing i'm i'm familiar with uh, and the thing i noticed about that was that like there is just dialogue between characters that they're just kind of singing and it's not really even in rhythm it's like a or in in song itself it's more like a cadence with some rhyming and sometimes not even some rhyming it's just a little bit of singing so that honestly that reminded me now this is not as well put together as right. that musical is but because i've seen that i've seen that version too overall. i've seen that the yeah. film version with russell crowe um, yeah, russell crowe and hugh jackman and yeah that's the one yeah and it, i actually didn't mind that and i know i actually that one got panned a bit because of, you know the stage yeah. the broadway show is, is is what it is but um but yeah I, so maybe i do maybe i just really fucking didn't like this movie uh <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, it's, like... it's a possibility and you know i i kind of i'm i'm like what am i missing out on because i don't know when i'm watching this i'm thinking like what's the plot well Bill Mosley and Paul Sorvino got to eat, so they got into this movie. I mean, that's what I'm thinking, <laughs> you know. And Paris Hilton will do anything, but yeah, I just and, and by the way, I did recognize um, Anthony Stewart Head. He was Giles on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. so yep. he's he's been around for you know a lot of stuff. The cast yeah, in I this, recognized it's, it from. It's got, I'm pretty sure from um, Doctor Who. I think he's done an episode. Oh, the, sure, yeah. Uh, you know, school reunion episode. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, you know, there's there's a cast in here of of uh, well, Sarah Brightman is in this movie. Yeah, and she is you know a Broadway and opera singer. Like like she's legit. Like I I'm pretty sure when I was a kid she was doing you know the Phantom of the Opera musical on Broadway, and that was her you know major claim to fame for years and years. And what the hell she's doing in this thing? I'm not sure, but it maybe it lends. They're trying to lend themselves a little bit of credibility by having one, you know, serious, you know, musical opera performer in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, I mean, the, the, ogres in this, you yeah, know, yeah. the the um, dude from Skinny will go Puppy on to work. For, <laughs> yeah, we'll, to work with uh, Darren Lynn Bozeman again on the his his subsequent two musicals, the Devil Devil's Carnival movies. Uh-huh. Um, which I've seen one of and, and enjoy quite a bit. But the, um, I think the thing that's interesting about this is like, just to jump back one second to kind of the fact that a lot of the quote unquote songs in this are not songs. There are songs. There are certainly, you know, put together verse chorus, you know, a little catchier than the other material. But then there's a lot of stuff that's not really songs. It's just dialogue that people are singing. And yeah. That might not make sense if you haven't seen this, but if you have seen it, I think you're going to get exactly what I'm saying. Um, it, when it works, doesn't always. 
it probably works about half the time. When it works, it gives it almost kind of a, like a hip-hop presentation. I would I would really be hesitant to compare it to Hamilton, but it almost works like that when it's on. Um, the It gives the whole movie a pace and like a rhythm and a cadence. And for me, that's kind of the thing that tied this whole movie together and made it work for me. It was almost like a big, long song, and it would drop. But when it dropped into these portions... Like, it kept this, like, rhythm to the whole thing. And it got me through points, and, and we'll, I'll get to that when, you know, we get to reviews, but it got me through points where I feel like the story was kind of the thing that was letting this down a little bit, but the music was keeping me going through it. And I'm not, and by that, please don't, you know, interpret that all the music and this is great. It's not, but I think it's got great moments. I honestly think it, it has some great stuff in it. Um, I wish it could have been a little more great to make it, like, a, a whole package, but uh, certainly amusing, so... Um, I want to move on to <laughs> probably the most fun we'll have talking about this movie. Uh, what do you think about the cast, their performance, um, some you know vocal and otherwise acting and and singing performance? And were there people that worked? And I I know for sure we're gonna pick on a few people that definitely didn't. But um, and again, God, this is like the the most timid I think I've been about a film I didn't care for. Uh, because I'm like I. God, oh, no, this is a this is a weird one. Like I, I mean, I I think you could tell already that I'm going to be more positive. Oh, than, definitely, than you are on definitely, it, but... and and I'm I'm fascinated by this because it's kind of like that internet video of like what colors the fucking dress, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's like that because or what sound do you hear when you listen to this file, right? Because some people are finding things appealing about this and i'm yeah this is in its own right a somewhat popular it is in a cult in a cult way it totally is and there's and as somebody who does enjoy stuff from various cult subgenres, i'm wondering what what glitch is there in my brain where i saw this as a fucking dumpster fire um you know (laughs) so there's certainly some aspects of it that that are but i mean but i just like so you like brought about performances um it was cringy to watch Paul Sorvino and Bill Mosley in this. Paul it, Sorvino is very, like, he's got moments where he's, like, very on. And it sounds like, oh, like, he actually knows how to sing. He knows what he's doing. And then, like, five minutes later, he'll do something. And it's like, oh, did they, were they just afraid to correct him? Like, <laughs> like what's going on here? Like, to me, it wasn't even yeah. just that. It was just, like, the songs themselves. Like, you know nobody could sing some of this stuff uh yeah well it it, a lot of so... it's got that kind of talky sing-songy um, yeah um so... and when it doesn't rhyme it's really weird like, yeah it when just... it does it i don't know like but... yeah yeah so i it was hard for me I, god someday it won't be soon someday i'll watch this again um and i'll i'll try to focus a little more like because it won't have been the first time i've seen it and i'll try to look for some of these things right like these moments where somebody's on but maybe i'm wondering what's happening is i'm so put off by one part i i can't even appreciate the next i i yeah i'm willing to admit Did, that might be part of it was this do you think it was a cat well you just said the music's just uninteresting to you so it that, really that's was no yeah. matter what and, and I, I was gonna say is it a little bit of an incidence of it pulling a mama mia which if anyone doesn't know the i've not seen the movie itself but it's been panned Time and time again for casting people that were definitely not singers in a you know singing role, um, and that it, it in in its own right has become a bit of a cult classic for that reason. Um, 
So is there maybe some, like, all the cringing you're doing, is that maybe some of the appeal to people, do you think? Um, like, I think that, like... it's it's the... It might be the whole picture. I mean, like, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Because, um... like, I'll give you an example. The, the scene where you first are really introduced to Paul Sorvino's kids, like Bill Mosley and Paris Hilton. And, uh, oh, yeah. and by the way, yeah. does, did this not seem like the Trump family musical to you? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally yeah these like crazy try. we try to keep politics out of it yeah being, being very good at that it, but it, still yeah you know <laughs> that where they're talking about like who's gonna get dad's money that yeah. whole song and song routine which it just it, it felt uncoordinated it felt just thrown together like hey bill just sing some random bullshit and we'll put a ditty over I, it that I whole absolutely... scene adore bill mosley like he i love him in almost everything i've seen it's the first time i've ever seen him in a movie where i could not stand him like being on screen and i don't know if it was the singing um i feel like it was so bad that it had to be a choice by somebody like he was supposed to be that like off kilter and you know they were trying to do something with his character with it at least that's what i'm telling myself so that i could you know justify like why would you be making the decision like because he can't possibly be really that bad singing wise well and just like everything about like i'm i kind of liked you know even and uh, god i mean i never thought i'd say this but i kind of even enjoyed paris hilton in this movie to a certain extent she was terrible too but like first it, it seemed to fit what she was doing with the character ogre it seemed to fit what he was doing with the character kind of the quirky um almost circusy um, intonation to what he was doing. Bill Mosley seemed to have no idea what he was doing. Like, and I don't know if it was him. I don't want to blame him because honestly, I love him. He's like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. Well, he, he was one of the mo- he was one of the, my least favorite things about this. And um, yeah, I, even the the whole thing with all three of them, you know, Nivik Ogre, Bill Mosley, and Paris Hilton as all of the Largo children was mm-hmm. really. Just that that entire song and I don't want to say dance. Just that entire song sequence was was just hard to sit through for me. Um, yeah, the, the the was it, you're talking the first one where they introduce all the characters, kind of. Kind, it, I, I mean, I think they've introduced them at this point narratively, yeah, but this is but the, the first time you really get to spend time with any of them. Yes, right? and they're doing their song I, about I'm going to get daddy's money. I agree with you on that one. That was a rough one. In fact, I was. <laughs> it's funny i'm sure you'll totally disagree with me but it, the film in a lot of ways redeemed itself because i i wasn't sure yet at that point and that scene didn't help it got back into the swing of things and i i i feel like there was a point like halfway through this thing where all of a sudden something clicked with me and i'm like oh okay i get this but then i can't really put it into words what i got about it but i started having a lot more fun that scene was rough i agree and i'm blaming bill mosley for it and i hate that i'm doing that because i love bill mosley but yeah, and then the um, <laughs> oh, the, there's this, there's a, another song with the grave robber, um, who he's, I'm trying to remember, and, that, and that's Terrence Dunnich is the grave robber. He is the writer of, co-writer of this musical. Like the, it's it's his, his brainchild. So for better or worse, but when when he's they're in the alley and he's talking to Shiloh played by mm-hmm. Alexa Vega and there's some song going on in the you know 
where they just repeat everything he says like three times like all oh, of the yeah. other actually that's movies. one of the first songs that i really thought thought like i like this <laughs> like that's the song i mean uh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about they repeat it, it but you know that was the first song that stuck out like that got you know it's one of the only songs i remember and could like hum in my head from this movie like that's um and i i generally like a lot of the stuff the grave robber does in this movie i like his character i like most of the songs that he's involved in even though he just kind of like talks in this um kind of new wavy sisters of mercy voice that he's got but i think it lends itself so well like the gothy rock opera thing honestly it's the roddies that um or whatever they're called the the family that i can't stand really but yeah but maybe that's good maybe that actually helps i don't anyway uh speaking of that like mm-hmm. here's um so the plot of this film we haven't talked a lot about that is dystopian future um corporation who is in the business of essentially elective surgeries so organ replacements but also cosmetic surgeries and such guy who owns this big you know world-changing company is getting old and about to die as greedy children are trying to take over the same time there's this army of repo men who out and you know mm-hmm. repossess the organs that people can't can't um pay for uh one of these repo men and one that's connected to the um to this family uh all, has a sick daughter that he's been hiding and, and okay yada 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 anyway um the plot of this movie is kind of one of the weak is, is probably the weakest thing here like um uh, for me um i'm not sure it's super interesting and the fact that it's really just a love triangle gone bad at the end of the day um the setting and everything else that goes around it the like gothy heavy metal music the um just kind of look and feel of the entire film all work for me but the i guess my question is is, is the story even interesting <laughs> like is there anything going on here that's worth paying um, attention to there there was i mean the, the the basic concept of like a dystopian future and organ issues and runaway capitalism you know kind of a people are going to profit off of your necessity to live in the most mm-hmm. basic form of, of you know surgeries and, and and your organs yeah that was interesting the idea that okay well people are under so much surgery that now this new drug is developed that pretty much you know takes all your pain away and stuff yeah that's kind of a cool addition you know that that works into a story that was kind of clever oh my god i said something positive about repo um <laughs> but i knew i'd get you eventually but that's even the way that's introduced was kind of off-putting to me at the beginning, um, just where it, when the movie opens and closes with, like, footnotes, I was like, oh, yeah. okay, well, you can't even tell a story from the beginning, you have to just drop us in. I don't know, it, it, it that bugged me. But, uh, yeah, I thought, like, the, the setting was cool. And then the idea of, like, let's go into this fucked up family that, that, is involved in it yeah it was fine i think if i would like to see the story told from a perspective or from a in a style that doesn't involve trying to force it into an opera i think it would be an interesting it could be an interesting story in and of itself okay it could it's not currently it, it has <laughs> way too many problems but it could i could I, see this being like a throwback to the 70s 
you know, clonus horror kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that. I was a little disappointed by it. This, like, like I agree with you 100% that I thought the setting was really cool. I thought the concept of it was interesting. Um, I was a little disappointed that the story we got out of it was only just like this love triangle revenge story. Yeah. It didn't really explore any of all the things that it set up. Um, we didn't get to learn a whole lot about, you know, the repo men besides the one main character played by um, Anthony Stewart head, Dr. Nathan. Oh gosh. What was his name? I remember it was Nathan Wallace, something. Wallace, Nathan Wallace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of that, we didn't get, we didn't even get a look into what Gene Co really did um, besides, you know, the surgery or even like what the grave robber really did um, because he goes around stealing, drugs or leftover you know medicine out of corpses and selling it on the black market um you know like uh i don't know i feel like all of those things every single element could have been explored and made this a little more interesting instead of focusing on that you're having the main crux of this whole thing be a you know fractured romance uh revenge uh, plot. yeah but, yeah it was it was way too thin and it just it want this film tried to shove a lot of things into it. It's trying to be a movie. It's trying to be a rock opera. Uh, it's yeah. and trying to be a good one. And then it's trying to force in this plot that doesn't really work. Well, that actually leads me to like, the next thing I was going to talk about. The um, in-between vignettes of this show, we have the grave robber, or at least his voice as our um, narrator as well, I believe. Um, but most of it most of the storytelling is done through like comic art or graphic novel um kind of panels um pre presented somewhat like a graphic novel do you think that was like a compelling way to tell the story or did it seem like like you just said like they were just shoving a little bit too much into this and they yeah had to kind of that too tie the yeah strings that, together? that was another one like the, it, it's this is an example of over style um where yep. they're it, so they're not only are they just trying to do a rock opera they're doing a goth opera. Mm -hmm. So you've got to deal with all of that. You know, the, the, you know, what the tones that make this more of a Gothic thing. And then on top of that, then you have, let's make it a rock opera. And we have a love try a love revenge story. And we're going to have panels that are kind of comic book, like with our, our blocking and staging. And it just keeps building and building. And, you know, I don't know. It kind of reminds me, just because I'm constantly surrounded by kids' toys. Imagine if you take Legos and you take, like, Tinker Toys and Capsella and as many of these built and erector set pieces <laughs> and trying to stack them all on top of each other and thinking that they're going to connect. And, yeah. you know, there needs to be some adapters there, right? Same thing here. We've got all of this style we're trying to cram in here. We're trying to do all of these different things at once. But oh you know we forgot to actually you know give it a good story and <laughs> yeah. and actually make the music really good and the performance is good and pick the right people for these roles um and then and then so i have to wonder is this like you've kind of already somewhat alluded to is this all just are we all kind of being punked like they're really trying to make it cult by just doing over the top everything with the exception of quality um yeah that's to you know that that is gonna lose me right away 
did and this may be the hardest question out of all of these but do you think there was anything here that was done well and also as an addendum to that like does something have to be good in any way to be fun or to be like and what was it that for you made this not kind of fit that because I, I know you're going to agree with the fact that it doesn't have to be good to be fun but what was it that right didn't it make it about repo or re, repo re, repo maybe I'm that, that's my that's, that's my word for it um no um gosh that's a good question because and that's i think ultimately the crux of what i've been trying to figure out for the last couple of days like <laughs> i should like this but everything about it is off-putting to me so what is it about me that I just don't vibe with this. And, and again, I want to make it clear, if, if anybody who's listening likes this, awesome. I'm glad you enjoy it. That's really cool. I really wish I shared that. I just, <laughs> I, I, what is it about this that just turned me off of it? Um, I don't know. I really don't. Because I'm not going to try to get pretentious and be like, as somebody who's, you know, written songs and sung before, who fucking cares? Um, you know, a lot of people have, it doesn't mean anything. Um, no, so it's not like, I'm not saying this from like a pretentious place at all. It's really like, gosh, I don't know why, why do some people when they eat, you know, uh, cilantro, they taste soap and others don't, I don't know. Why don't I like this? I don't know. Um, It's a cilantro movie. It's a cilantro movie. It, I think (laughs) this is a cilantro movie. That's the best thing that's come out of this. (laughs) Is that, um, I, I, because when I watch something like uh, The Wall or um, Hamilton or Les Mis or something like that, something that's more like, mm-hmm. you know, um, an opera, you've got to win me with the music first. If I don't like the music, then I'm not going to give a damn about the rest of it. If you didn't yeah. like bluegrass music, you were going to hate Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Because the whole right. thing is that, right? Um, not a musical, but, you know, a very a musical movie. Yes. Um, yeah, and lots of music yeah. involved. In. If, if you don't like the music of West Side Story or of, you know, I don't know, My Fair Lady or whatever, I don't care. Um, if you don't like the music, you're not going to like the show. And in this case, I think maybe what turned me off from it right away is not only is it opera which i have a love hate you know okay some i like some i don't ah it's fucking goth music and maybe it's the fact that i really don't like evanescence or lincoln park or <laughs> a lot of these that i really really don't like that style of, of rock music um maybe that's just what i i couldn't it made it made the rest of it unaccessible to me where it, it removed the fun um Plus the fact that some of the numbers really are legitimately bad. Some of the performances are legitimately bad. The story is legitimately flawed. That it just, I, I wasn't on board with the first thing, so I had nothing left to give for the others. That's my introspective. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it could be an interesting place to follow this up because you pretty much, I think, just summed it up. But we've come to the point where we always do. I, if you have any final thoughts and also... Since you have to give it a grade, I won't even say if you had to. Since you have to give it a grade, what's it going to be for Repo? Um, gosh, I get final thoughts. I don't really have that. Yeah, I think you just I, I, I kind I, of I kind of did. I yeah. This is the most regrettable F I've ever given a movie. 
uh, and and I think it is honestly it's the fact that if if the story was good, if the story was like tight, if the songs were well done, um, and if they had the right people doing it, and and if you do happen to like all that, okay maybe I still wouldn't like it because of the style of music. And I'm not trying to be like really hatred of that. It just does that music is kind of a turnoff for me. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't recommend it because like, if you don't like the music of Evanescence, you're going to fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, you know, and I can, I can watch, I think I gave conquest a better grade than this. Yeah. That's so. fucked up. And I recognize that. <laughs> and, and yeah, to the filmmakers it's like sorry not sorry i feel like that's a legitimate use of that trope but yeah i just i couldn't i couldn't get behind this one i just and i i legitimately i'm sorry i give it an f if you disagree with me good <laughs> good oh well, yeah i'm glad someone liked it <laughs> yeah well i i do happen to disagree but i'm not sure i'm going to come in um as like this film's biggest cheerleader either but i'm not gonna lie I, I kind of enjoyed it i totally get that this is certainly not gonna be everyone's cup of tea in fact this is only gonna be like a small group of people's cup of tea um and it also like we like we said it has issues uh the story to me is like the least interesting part and when that happens in a movie it's certainly gonna hurt the movie like because the main crux of you know what's going on with your central characters if it's not interesting that kind of hurts the whole thing. So that's my biggest gripe with it. Everything else I can kind of get over pretty quickly and can have fun with, but um, that's the thing that's going to knock it down a little bit. Um, there's, like I said, I think some of the music is great, but not enough of it. Like I think like 50% of it's interesting and then there's too much that isn't. If they could really, you know, knock that up to like a 70% or, or, you know, even more like that's the thing about rocky horror rocky horror is ridiculous in a lot of ways and it shares a lot of these same things but the music is really great yeah and that's really what drives you through that movie and it's just kind of so odd and quirky and this has all the odd and quirky stuff it's it's obviously from like a different era and going for kind of a different thing but that music had to get up like another notch for it to really be great in my opinion but i also think for like the shoestring budget they made this thing on they made it work it never feels super feels a little stagey but like i i think like the look of the movie is kind of cool it's a little bit like early like and this was made in 2008 so it's not early 2000s i'm thinking you know it's a it's about five years past when it should have looked like this but it's got kind of this early cgi thing sometimes mm -hmm. where yeah um it's just kind of like foggy mess instead of cgi but in general i think they they nailed the productions uh production design aspect of the film like it looks decent um, especially when you go and look at what they made it for, and it, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, I think for what they did here, going out to from the get go from the guys who put the musical together, like obviously they're trying to create like this new generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think it's really hard to hate a movie that accomplishes that goal so well because it kind of like it just has become this like little, you know, kind of cult movie all in its own right. So, not that I, I you know. I'm going to give it an A based on that, but I, I think you got to kind of respect that, that, you know, they, they, they pulled it off kind of thing. They, they, um, this movie 
does have some of those you know, does have those elements that they were going for so great i mean they accomplished their goals um i also like the like the pace of it like i think it's 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 actually pretty fun to watch if you can get over kind of the stupidness and some of the bad singing and the um i think this is one i would revisit and if i did i would want to see this with a bunch of people like i want to go to one of those like screenings and see people that are really into it I think that is what would convince me this is a great movie. I, Until then, I have to give it like a C. Like that's I, as good as I can do on this one. So I, I will, I will say, I would like to see this in that setting too. I think it would be fun to see. Be, I mean, just because not you'd be feeding off of kind of everybody else's energy from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're getting into it. You, it's kind of hard not to. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, most regrettable was, f ever. Because I'm like, I <laughs> there know there's redeeming was... things. I just, I just, I had a hard time accessing them. Yeah. By the end of it, I, I had, and, and I was, I had a complex about it. I was trying to ask myself if I had talked myself into liking it, but I'm, but by the end I was like, no, I don't think so. I think I, I generally enjoyed most of this. Um, I, yeah, I, I obviously can't give it an A. It's just too much of a mess in places, but I don't know. I listened to the soundtrack a couple of times too, when like writing up my outline and stuff and um it grows on you like already i haven't seen the movie again but some of the songs have grown on me so it's it is what it is i'm probably not gonna be adding it to my playlists anytime soon except maybe this week but (laughs) how how, how does it work as a soundtrack the whole thing's a soundtrack um they've picked out pieces and they've reorganized it so the guy from japan x supposedly just produced this he produced the soundtrack and he picked the order of the soundtrack as well and put it together in a different presentation um, but yeah, there is a deluxe version of it that literally plays almost the entire, like the entire length of the movie on CD as well. But the one that's on like Spotify is the standard edition. So it's, it's 22 tracks, but it's, um, not everything from the movie. So only 22 of the songs, which, you know, considering the entire movie is in song, that's obviously not the whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, they're not in sequence of the, he's like sequenced it up like an album more more than okay just in order of the movie um does it help or hurt i'm not sure if you already didn't like it maybe not but um there's some stuff on there i i, I like there's also some stuff on there that is is rough but i i will uh, I, I do want to mention the one thing and it's not enough for me to change my grade but <laughs> i appreciate that joan jett is in this movie oh yeah i forgot to yeah I, I, that's on my notes and i forgot to say that yep but joan jett cameos in this movie that was cool. Yeah, and I, that's a sequence of the film. I like the the seventeen song and her her, yeah, cameo. Um, yeah, people were spotty. Like, I remember thinking when this movie first started, or when the character of Shiloh was first introduced, um, I was really like, oh, I'm not sure about this actress. Like, she's really hit and miss with the singing and um, and, and I I stick to that to the end. She's hit and miss, but when she's good, she's pretty good. Um, I I think maybe it's. I don't know. I'm not going to make excuses for it. Maybe it's a budget thing. Like, they just, you know, putting together a musical's got to be tough. I can't oh, even imagine. Oh, God, yeah. But, like, yeah. So, they didn't they didn't succeed at everything, and I think my grade reflects that as well. Like, that's why I can't give it better than a C. But but it's it's almost like a little movie that could, in a way, and I by the end of it, I was enjoying it. I felt like, and again, I can't put my finger on it. I've been trying to, like, what it was that, like, clicked, because I, I was having a rough time the first even maybe 20 minutes of it. Like, I feel like I should watch it again. Maybe I can enjoy it the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, 
we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not yeah. in a rush at the moment, but... <laughs> well, we would love to hear any of our listeners' opinions of Repo the Genetic Opera, and if you're a Repo fan and you just heard me saying how much I didn't like it, hopefully you didn't take personal <laughs> offense to that. Uh, however, if you have anything to say about this, and we hope that people did tune in and check it out on Tubi or wherever you could find it, and uh, then hopefully you're enjoying this review of it and have something to contribute, I invite you to do so. Uh, please contact us on Facebook at Video Junk Air Podcast uh, or the Video Junk Air Podcast Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or email us at Video Junk Air Podcast at gmail.com. Any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms we would love to hear and share on the show. And coming up on the Video Junk Air Podcast, as you know, we've said in weeks past, uh, during quarantine, we are picking all of our movies from the TV or Tubi TV service which is a app or um, website that you can basically watch movies for free, and they have quite a good selection. Um, next week, we're going to be looking at a film that I'm not familiar with. It's going to be a first watch for me called The Mole Man of Belmont Avenue, and followed up by one that Joe's been itching to get in, and that is uh, we're going to talk about Dolomite. So The original. Um, Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, come back and join us. And if you uh, are surfing Tubi and see something that we just got to look at, please feel free to let us know. We're going to be, for the time being, be picking all of our stuff off of the Tubi TV service. So. We want to thank everybody for uh, listening as usual. Please, if you like the show, drop us a line and share with your friends, family. We're not going anywhere. You might as well listen to podcasts. So until next time, this is the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. Have a good night. Out from the night, from the mist, steps the figure. No one really knows his name for sure. He stands at six foot six, head and shoulders. Pray he never comes knocking at your door. Say that you once bought a heart or new corneas, but somehow never managed to square away your debts. He won't bother to write or to phone you. He'll just rip the still beating heart from your chest! Now you could run, you could hide, you could try to, but he always has a way of finding you. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order 
all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. <laughs>